RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Today's episode is sponsored by Optimum Nutrition. To get a 40% discount across their entire batch-tested range, use the code RENEGADE40 at www.onacademy.co.uk forward slash elite portal. And of course, members of the Rugby Renegade online subscription program get an exclusive 50% discount plus free access to the Optimum Nutrition online nutrition course. Hello and welcome back to episode 83 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. My name is Jamie Bain and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Ari Guerrero um, from Brazil Rugby. Uh, he, Ari's in a unique position of working with both men's 15s and women's 70s. He's currently, well, when I spoke to him, he was just coming through the sort of quarantine before Tokyo Olympics with the sevens team. Um, so it's good to get the insights from working with both both teams and we cover tons of stuff, velocity based training, um, resisted sprinting uh, and, and loads in between. So give it a listen and let us know what you think. Hi Ari, welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Great to have you on. Uh, let's start by you telling us a little bit about your background, how you got into strength conditioning and some of the, the teams you've worked with. Hello Jimmy, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, so my background, I am uh, I am Italian, and um, so I come from Naples, where we have a really good pizza. Um, and uh, at the moment, I'm working with the Brazil Rugby Union as a head of athletic performance. Um, and uh, so my background, I did complete my master's degree in sports science at the University of Rome in Italy. And um, after that, um, I started um, working in an Olympic center in Formia. Um, it's a city close to the coast of Italy. It's pretty famous for uh, pole vault. Um, a lot of um, good, uh, good champions, they come from there, like uh, Jelena Zimbaeva, uh, Sergei Bubka, uh, even okay. Diego Bratz, the last uh, gold, uh, gold medal at the Olympic game in Rio because there, there is a good coach from Paul Volta that is Ukrainian, Vitaly Petrov. So um, uh, it's, a, it's a big center for Paul Volta and track and field. And I started working as a track and field coach and uh, SNC coach at that Olympic center while I was uh, completing my master's degree. And um, so I had, this, I had the chance there to, to work with, uh, with tactical as well. So some military um, personnel preparing uh, um, for their uh, for their daily job um, and um, rehab of uh, football players and um, so yeah I started SNC at track and field because I was a shop putter so track and field always has been my my passion and uh, I said okay let's see if I can transfer something of that into the SNC and in coaching and um, after the after the master's degree I started uh, going a little bit around the world because I felt Okay, Italy I think gave me everything uh, I didn't need. So let's see if I if I can find something else around the world. So I traveled the world. I went to Ireland first. Um, I did uh, a period of uh, of intern um, with um, Carl Gilligan and the KG Elite Performance Institute. And that was uh, was a good time uh, for me to learn. Uh, really good moment. 
And after that, I went over uh, to USA to, um, to specialize with the NSCA. I did take all the accreditation with the CSCS, CPT, tactical certification. And uh, I did spend some time over in, uh, in California. And uh, as well, NSCA gave me a really good base um, of um, understanding of uh, how SNC work, uh, especially in the environment, uh, American football, uh, um, there was a big interest at that time. Uh, I was always uh, interested in uh, in USA culture, and uh, it was good for me to to experience a little bit uh, um, how SNC is contemplated over there. Um, and uh, so I did start putting everything together, and um, I went back to Italy. I carried on working at the Olympic Center, and um, it was 2013. When I did take part in an SNC course with the um, Italian Rugby Union, um, and I met uh, the SNC coach at that time of the under 20 national team, and I said, "Look, I'm um, I'm thinking to go um, uh, somewhere to find uh, a job outside of Italy," and he said, "Look, I have this contact of uh, of a friend over to New Zealand, um, Maori All Blacks." former Maori All Blacks, Jim Love, that he ran an academy um, down in uh, Rotorua. And I said, okay, yeah, let's see. So I did uh, take my bag and I went over uh, to New Zealand, <laughs> opposite from Italy. And um, I, I stayed there for, for three months as an intern. And uh, after that, Jim asked me, he said, um, do you want to jump on as a coordinator of uh, the SNC between the three academies, uh, Oakland, Rotorua and Wellington? And I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. And um, so far, um, it has been uh, the road, uh, long road uh, since then, because uh, I started there, I stayed there for two years uh, and um, really good time in New Zealand, loved it. Uh, if it wouldn't have been for, uh, for the Olympic game, I would have never changed it because uh, lovely place, uh, uh, lovely culture, Maori, Samoan, Stongan, all the uh, Pacific Island. I think there you can find a lot of common aspect with the, with Italian culture. And uh, yeah, uh, the food, you know, like the culture of the food, staying around the table a little bit more, having fun yeah. with, the, with the older, um, the culture of the family. But he came up a position with, um, with the woman sevens in Brazil. There was 2015, just um, before the Olympic game of, uh, of Rio. And the head coach of that time was uh, from, uh, from New Zealand as well. So I did the apply and um, um, it was really fast, the process. Uh, I jumped on the airplane, I left New Zealand, I went over to Brazil. And I helped the women team for the preparation of the Olympic game in uh, Rio 2016. Um, and in 2008, I, uh, 2018, I started um, as a coordinator of SNC um, for the entire federation, both men and women. In Brazil, um, um, the, um, it's a lot about men is just 15. Uh, we have the sevens, but the investment uh, um, it was uh, more going through Rio 2016, while the woman seven is a bigger tradition. Uh, and uh, at this stage, uh, in, in South America is still developing the, the 15 side. So um, the, two national, the two main national team are uh, 15 men and seven women. 
And uh, yeah, so far it's, it's been seven years that uh, I am in Brazil enjoying the sun of, uh, of Sao Paulo and, uh, and sometimes Rio. Oh, brilliant. And, and obviously I, we'll spend most of our time talking about rugby, but obviously being an Italian, I'm assuming you watched the game uh, the other week and enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. So um, the football, um, the football culture is, is huge over to Italy, and um, I think um, definitely it's uh, um, it's in part uh, something that influenced the the SNC culture over uh, the over Italy. You know, like because most of um, um, everyone that uh, uh, completed a degree in physical education over to Italy has experience with football. Um, and that can be positive and bad, and bad at the same time, um, because not necessarily you know the culture of football you can apply in other sports. And um, so um, Italy had the good results after a long time, <laughs> and uh, unfortunately it was against England. So sorry about that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a good time uh, and. Yeah, uh, Penalty is always a question of adrenaline, you know, control. But uh, you know, we are enjoying the moment. Yeah, definitely, and well deserved. Um, yeah. So anyway, back to rugby very quickly. Um, you're, you're you're over in Japan at the moment. Um, why don't you? We'll we'll go into kind of how you prepared the women's team for the sevens. But why don't you just start kind of say how obviously with the COVID nineteen restrictions and, and what the kind of protocols are now moving forward in towards the tournament. Yeah. So definitely different Olympic compared to, to Rio. Um, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of restriction. Um, so the process actually started a um, couple of months ago when we did, um, all the team did uh, the vaccine. So everyone is vaccinated for, um, for our national team. And um, one month ago, we entered in a, in a bubble in a camp back in Brazil. Um, so we didn't have contact with anyone, um, just uh, as uh, um, for the team and um, the staff that was actually traveling. And uh, every four days, we went through a test, you know, routine of that. And we had to record that and send results uh, um, to the International Olympic Committee and, and World Rugby. Um, after that, uh, everyone was clear, everyone was safe. Uh, we did the test before um, the jumping on the airplane. We did fly over here, over to Japan. We went through all the process. Uh, another test when we landed, we stayed in quarantine for 24 uh, hours to wait the test. And um, after that, we did fly um, down here in Nagato City. Um, Nagato City, a lot of restriction, you know, like we can... Uh, most of the time we are in the room. If we are not in the room, we are going to the training and back. And we are not allowed to have any contact with anyone else, neither in the hotel or outside the hotel. And um, we will uh, jump on the airplane on uh, Saturday to fly over to Tokyo. And after that day, we will uh, enter the Olympic Village and uh, we will stay there for, uh, for seven days uh, going into the competition. Every day we are going to... Um, um, we are going through a test in the morning, usually 7.30 before we start the day. Um, and yeah, we get, if we get any positive results, is everything connected by an app? Everyone um, is, is connected with that and uh, our, um, our um, 
chief of the equip of the um, of the equipia it's um she's going to uh, receive any anything about if someone around us has a positive case anyone um the the personnel here uh, went through testing as well so it's uh, it's a little bit tough um it's um, it's hard time because uh, you you can focus on on the preparation but at the same time you're always like hmm, is it maybe the case that someone got positive and if someone come positive you have to start straight away with all the strategies about okay the focus need to switch and you need to be okay isolate is everyone safe who was in contact and um it, it is stressful sometimes but um we know and we try to respect the rules and uh, yeah we actually not having contact with anyone uh, for um, for the last uh, two months yeah, that's that's tough, but hopefully, if they come come through and you can get to the tournament and and put yeah. that behind you, really. Um, yeah. So let, let's talk about the kind of physical preparation. Obviously, seven yeah. is very different to to um to fifteens mm -hmm. in in terms of the actual the game itself, and then you know the the structure of the tournament as well. So how how have you gone about preparing the women for the for the Olympics? Yeah, we so um, Brazil uh, Brazil women sevens has a bigger tradition uh, compared to the men. Um, uh, since, I think um, we have been a South American champion for the last 18 years, uh, um, so really big tradition in, in South America. And um, the Brazilian uh, rugby team has been uh, consistently on the World Series. Um, and um, the preparation for the Olympic game, we did. Uh, we were uh, lucky when we qualified in 2019. So during the entire period of the, um, the COVID and uh, the virus, we actually already knew that we were going to the Olympic game. So we could prepare straight from there. Um, and when, when, the, when the virus uh, did start, uh, we had to isolate for three months. So the players, they were just able to, to train in their own apartment and uh, houses. We did uh, um, provide them with weights in their house. Um, but for three months, they were isolated. After that, we came back progressively. We did suffer some injuries uh, when we came back. After three months, uh, we did uh, suffer some injuries, more um, muscle on the muscle side, the hamstring, uh, um, nothing, nothing severe, but um, we did suffer some of that. As much as we tried uh, to progressively get into it, we it did take eight weeks for us to come back at the pace. Um, and. Um, the preparation so far has been good. Um, we we did focus a lot on uh, some of our ability. We we have a relatively fast team. Um, size is not um, our uh, our biggest uh, biggest um, you know like um, aspect, but uh, we have some really fast players. So we are trying to to base our game really on speed and intensity, and um, we usually work on a four week base. So we usually load for three weeks, we recover one. Um, and um, at this stage, we have gone through eight weeks of preparation. And this week is the last week before we go into the Olympic. And uh, we are really trying to, to sharp uh, um, those weapons. So um, more recovery, um, really high intense uh, and, uh, short, uh, um, and short rest. Um, and um, because uh, yeah, sevens unfortunately is that the fact is uh, 
you do one effort and you actually have half of the time to recover in 40 minutes and it's really brutal and so you need to be prepared for that and um, the format of the tournament is going to be a little bit different compared to the World Series because usually World Series you have um, a three games on the first day, three games on the second one where usually the first, um, the first three games are the one in the pool and after that you check if you go into the quarterfinal or you are in the bottom um, of, the, of the ranking. While this time is going to be two games on the first day, two games on the second, and two games on the third day. And uh, they would be separate. Um, um, I think our first game is going to be nine in the morning and uh, our second game uh, 17 in the afternoon. So quite a big break between the games. And we are going to play Canada, France, and uh, Fiji. So uh, some, some tough teams to play against. Yeah. But uh, hey, that's uh, when you go to the Olympic game. That that's they're all what tough, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, and you want to face the best one. So yeah, um, we'll try. We'll try hard. During this period, we have worked a little bit on uh, increasing our size um, because we have um, sometimes trouble in the contact part. Brazil uh, okay. coming from um, um, football culture as uh, similar to Italy. Um, um, we always had a little bit of work that we had to do on the contact part, tackling and defense, uh, because the players, uh, they are not used to that. They, they don't get that in the, their environment or during the period where they grow. Most of the sports that they play, it's, um, it's football or it's volleyball, um, beach volley. So the contact part is something that uh, we had to teach progressively. And uh, so we worked on that, and uh, that did reflect as well um, in the gym work. You know, um, we did work a lot on maximal strength um, and trying to create um, that ability to move and to produce force against heavy weight. Um, and at this stage, we are working a little bit more with the velocity based training and monitoring um, a little bit more um, the, the velocity of the movement. It's not something that we do during the entire period of preparation. It's more a tool that we use um, closer to the competition. And um, so we are trying to, um, to, to work uh, um, monitoring mainly the multi-joint exercises, so mainly bench press, bench row, and squat. Uh, usually we use velocity based to monitor um, this kind of exercise. Um, and um, combining them with um, some plyometric exercises. Um, so yeah, like uh, having bench press with 90% uh, of the 1RM and after that going into power. Um, and so having a little bit of uh, contrast work and, um, and there are some of the session where we just work on power. So usually we, we are working on a four day basis, push-pull, uh, push-pull, and uh, on the first two days, is mainly focusing on maximum strength. And on the other two days, we work on a combined one. So strength and power. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And, and then, then yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry carry, on. carry on. And um, we have um, our, as I said to you, one of, uh, one of uh, our ability speed. So um, uh, I, I really like to work on, uh, on resisted speed as well. Um, so we, we were lucky to, um, uh, to have the chance here to have some sleds. 
um, pushing and pulling both. Um, with the, with pulling sleds, um, I'm not a big fan with high loads. Um, so um, we usually work with uh, based on a uh, body weight uh, maximum through the spectrum uh, maximum to 50% of the body weight of the athletes. Um, yeah. no, it, it is a little bit tough because uh, if you think about relative uh, force uh, or uh, relative strength, you get um, some players, you know, like they, they can produce high force compared to their body weight. So it's not yeah. the ideal. Um, while pushing sled, uh, we, we go really, we go heavier and um, um, I have no problem working with more than 120% of the body weight and on pushing. Um, yeah. That's for the woman's side, while for the men is a little bit different. Yeah. And, and j just interesting, because I've seen um, with, with heavy, heavy pushing sleds, like some, some people do it kind of marching and kind of just do the, the force side of it. Some people do it with a heavy weight and kind of try and sprint against it. What, what, what have you kind of, have you experimented with them? Or what have you found to be best? So um, usually marching, uh, I use the pushing one, uh, marching mainly with uh, some of these they need to work on, on running technique um, or coming back from injuries. Um, while with, um, during our preparation, I usually work on, on, on five meters, um, pushing with the maximum intensity. Um, and uh, yeah, usually the minimum weight that we put on is 80% of the body weight and we go to 100%, 120 and um, five meters maximum, uh, 10 meters. But when we go to the 10 meters, uh, is, it, it does become a little bit more uh, um, conditioning uh, kind of, uh, of exercise because during the 10 meters, uh, you know, like you have all the, the body angles that goes down and um, it, it become a little bit uh, tougher for the players to keep their quality all the way up to 10 meters. Yeah. And, and how have you um, like sort of periodized it as well? How, how do you approach programming yeah. it in? I always like, um, it, it depends, uh, it depends, of course, the, the contest, you know, it depends if um, a man 15 or um, a woman seven. So it, it's a little bit different. For example, with the men, we don't have problem. If you think about on, on four weeks, uh, on a four weeks block, um, even closer uh, to the game or during the week of the game, uh, doing some uh, really heavy um, pushing sled. Um, with uh, yeah, 120, 135 percent of the body weight, you know, just uh, two, three repetition with the good quality of five meters, um, no problem at all. While with woman, um, especially because um, the speed is uh, one of our emphases, I always like during the week of the of the match to to reduce the load to taper a little bit. Um, so um, if um, imagine at the beginning we are um, working with high load. Um, going through the three weeks uh, that goes down. So um, the, the speed uh, and the velocity part become uh, more more important while the load goes down. And um, yeah. yeah, so it, it depends from the contest, but as well, it depends from the individual. Sometimes you get some players that um, they ask for that even during the week of the tournament. And on that, I'm, you know, like I'm quite easy to say, okay, if that works for you and it doesn't work for me, okay. You can do it for me it's going to be different and um especially i think when when, when you arrive uh, at the level where you work with uh, athletes that knows their body it becomes a little bit more okay what works for you what works for me okay let's do that and let's yeah. blend that together yeah definitely
No, that's cool. No, and it's interesting to hear how you, you know, you've literally periodized it from it, within a four week block from heavier to more explosive and you know, into speed. That's cool. And the thing I love about sleds is there's no eccentric load. So volume wise, you can kind of push it out and it's easy yeah. to recover from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's, we've kind of started touching onto it. So let, let's talk about um, the, the 15s with the men. Because uh, yeah. obviously you've got your hands full there, you know, covering essentially two different sports. I know it's rugby, but they're so different. So that's 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 cool from your perspective as well to 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 work with both. And obviously you're preparing for the World Cup. So what's your kind of without giving the, the golden goose away? What what's your sort of plan building up to the the World Cup? Yeah, yeah. Um, as you said, uh, completely right. I think now seven to fifteen. As much as they both rugby, the the you know. The evolution—it's uh, clear. They—they uh, be, they are becoming two different sports. And um, the 15, I think, um, mainly mainly with with the men, of course, uh, the chance we have to work mainly with the men in in Brazil. Um, it, 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 the fact in in Brazil is the same. So not having a big tradition, we focus a lot on the SNC. So as I mentioned, tier two or tier three um, team, we are actually trying to compensate, you know, the the, the low skill level with a really good level of SNC. At least we try. But uh, <laughs> um, Brazil is pretty famous for the scrum. Um, yeah, we have, that was one uh, thing I was going to ask. Yeah, what what your secrets with scrums? Yeah, yeah, we have um, we have a big tradition in scrum. We have some key players, uh, um, you know, that, that their experience definitely help. Uh, you know, like I'm not uh, one of those SNC coaches. Oh, that that happened, you know, because uh, <laughs> of the SNC. It's just because about uh, technical ability. But definitely, we have, for example, our first row. Everyone is able to squat over 220 kg. Uh, you know, good quality squad, and yeah. definitely probably is um, uh, is helping uh, um, the scrum in some ways. Um, during the last year, we were able to have some good performances, but one of our trouble is uh, trying to transfer our power and speed into the technical part, because you know, like I can have really good testing. Uh, um, of, of speed, um, power production, uh, and um, when we go in the game, the athletes are not able to express that in a game environment. So that transfer is still something that is happening. Um, yeah. So we are preparing for the qualification of the World Cup. Actually, we had the first game um, last week versus Chile because um, we had to play Chile and Uruguay um, to check if we are able to go to the next stage versus USA or Canada. And unfortunately, we lost the game um, versus Chile and we are going to play on the 23rd versus Uruguay. And um, yeah, Brazil, um, the, the men's side, um, they are quite physical. Um, we, we have um, some, some players that, um, that, you know, like, as I said, in the gym, um, they have awesome results, uh, 1RM uh, results, both bench press, bench row and squat. Uh, um, but uh, we still miss that, uh, that part of, okay, can we transfer that in the game? Um, yeah. I don't know if something that uh, possibly is going to happen in the next three, four years, a little bit more. Um, but uh, is that what do you think? I'm putting you on the spot a bit. What what do you what are you going to try to to try and get that transfer? How do you think would it, would it be kind of like complex yeah. training, you know, involving more rugby specific movements or 
what are your yeah. thoughts? Precisely, we're trying different stuff for, so for example, um, working on the um, energy system development, definitely um, using a little bit more small side game or um, more uh, of the technical part involved in the SNC. We had tried um, also having some technical exercise uh, um, uh, completed during the strength session. Um, to have that kind of transfer, so um, it was common for us, uh, for the players uh, having um, some um, some sets of squads, uh, and after that going into the position of the scrum straight after the the exercise. That one is something that is not sustainable uh, when you have you know like really high load in the gym, um, yeah. but you know like that's where the balance need to come. Um, on the field, we have tried um, some um, uh, rugby drills, you know, like passing exercise, especially, for example, for the back, um, uh, some passing exercise or a one versus one. Uh, and after that, going straight into the sled work and vice versa. Um, yeah. That's something that we have tried a lot. And um, to be honest, I think there is a kind of transfer. Um, but um, most of the time, it's more appeared work that need to be done, um, yeah. because um, probably the the part of the production, the muscle is able to express, uh, but in a situation of, of pressure, that's when it comes the problem. Um, yeah. uh, when there is the decision making involved involved in a, in a short time, that's when it becomes a little bit harder. Yeah. And I think I think you're right by saying it's it's that balance because sometimes you can try and put rugby specific work in and it takes away from the actual S and C stuff you're trying to achieve and you're not necessarily getting the skills. So it's kind of yeah, which, which comes which which precedes it or which is the priority, I guess. And sometimes you're better off having them separate so you know you're getting that full focus on the skill and full focus on the SNC. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a tough one. Yeah. Um, what um, this is a question we we ask, <coughs> excuse me, all our all our guests on the podcast is what what do you think is the biggest mistake rugby players make uh, when it comes to strength and conditioning? Uh, bigger mistake, uh, the players. I think um, in part uh, the responsibility it's um, it's about you know like internet. Uh, I think uh, one of the biggest one is actually a lot of players uh, they try to copy and paste program or exercise that they actually have access on internet because now internet uh, has become a really a big tool you know like you can find everything everything literally everything on internet and uh, sometimes you know you have the players uh, seeing uh, some great players doing some exercise and they say oh yeah that's what they need to do while the mystic is uh, actually understanding why the player is doing that you know like uh, understanding the contest and uh, it's more like, okay, if I see that, uh, does it apply in my environment? Can I actually take that in my environment? Does it apply to me? Um, yeah. While now it's just like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. I saw a player doing that. I saw, imagine, uh, a really good player um, of the tier one uh, nation team. And, uh, and you say, yeah, he's doing that. He's doing uh, um, 50, 60 um, the kicks every day. Okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. You know, like this kind of copy and paste, uh, for me, it's um, it's a trouble because um, if you don't have a filter, if you are not able to filter this information, you're gonna have trouble because uh, 
uh, it doesn't mean that um, if you see something on internet and after that uh, you try to apply in your environment, it doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. Um, so definitely, if you think about on the player side, it's a big mistake. Uh, yeah. On the other side, uh, it become it can become positive as well. Um, so if you have someone that, for example, has an understanding of physical education, even as a player, you know, of a physical education, uh, and they are able to, okay, understanding uh, if I can pick up some stuff and apply in my situation, um, definitely that one can be a positive uh, at the same time. Yeah, no, that's uh, a yeah. great point because I, I think, like you said, they they look at that elite player and go, right, well, that's what they're, they're doing that. That's what makes them elite. And they forget all those stages that built them up to that. So like, like you said, the classic example with the kicking, go, if they do 60 kicks a day, maybe start just doing 10 and, you know, and build your tolerance for that, 10 good kicks, then then increase it. And, you know, and it's and I think that's what we're good at as SNC coaches is starting starting somewhere achievable and then building their capacity to do it. So, yeah, so that's a, a great point. Um, now, talk. I've already said, you know, you've got your hands full with 15s and 7s. So, tell us about the, the Brazil high performance system and, and you know, because you've been there, was it seven years now? So, yeah. what, what yeah. it's like working there? And um, To be honest, um, since, uh, since I did move from New Zealand to here, um, Brazil is fascinating because I like to work with the um, national team, you know, like um, they are developing. Um, because with this national team, you have a kind of less restriction on the system that you want to implement. Um, while, you know, like in a more, um, imagine tier one nation, you know, you are more, um, you have a lot of boundaries that you have to respect. Um, Brazil uh, in South America um, uh, is growing, um, did grow a lot in the last four years. Um, and um, so, of course, you have uh, Argentina is at the top. After that, you have Uruguay and you have Brazil and Chile that they are fighting for that spot. Um, at, the, at the moment, we, we train in Sao Paulo. Everyone is centralized in Sao Paulo, both men 15 and women 7s, um, in the high performance center that is called NAR. Um, and um, so it's full-time job for the players. Uh, they are all centralized in one place and all the stuff for men and women, uh, they are all in the same place. In the past, we had the three academies all over Brazil. So we had one academy in uh, Curitiba that is a little bit more in the south of, uh, of Brazil, one in Sao Paulo, and the other one was in uh, San Jose do, do Campus. And, um, but uh, during the last two years, we have uh, centralized in just one place because uh, we thought it was, um, was better to, for our resources and you know, for the investment of the program. Having everyone is a, is a little bit more controlled environment. And um, now uh, we have the men 15, the women 7s, um, we had uh, the under 20. Okay, they were centralized for a period, but after that, uh, they went back uh, to their cities. Uh, and so they just centralize when we have a competition. And after that, we have um, the sevens men. They, because uh, the main focus is the men 15, the sevens, they just um, go together when they have to prepare for a tournament. Um, and they are mainly uh, 15 players. So there is not uh, just a separate program for the sevens. And yeah. while the 15 woman is still developing, uh, last year we played uh, the, um, the game versus Colombia, first game in South America, Reg the 15. 
and um, so we lost versus Colombia. Um, but yeah, 15 is a work in progress for the next period. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, so on the rugby wise, there is a championship in Brazil. Um, still need to in, improve their level. Um, and the, the championship is divided the same way, men 15 and women just seven. Uh, in the next couple of years, I'm, I know there's going to be a little bit more investment in the 15 women as well. Um, but the level uh, still need to be up there and um, still, no, still need to improve, uh, um, especially if um, we want to try to push uh, and uh, become that team. Because at this stage, the men, uh, they are sitting 26 in the ranking. So if we want to go up, we need to we need to improve our uh, the level of the competition uh, in Brazil. While yeah. the woman, uh, we can do the job because at this stage we are on the World Series, so um, yeah. we are I think 11th. So yeah, that's um, and uh, we have um, mainly um, technical coaches from uh, from Argentina that they help us. Uh, in the past, we had uh, um, some French coaches and uh, New Zealand coaches. Um, but uh, definitely the influence on the technical part is all Argentinian from South America rugby, South America rugby. Because yeah. um, yeah. I, I was going to ask, is is it because um, Argentina, you know, are, are performing well, they've got, you know, a super rugby franchise. Has that kind of helped or is it almost hindered because, you know, they're, they're the, the team in South America, essentially? Yeah, I think... Um, here there is a little bit of contrast because what, what happened is that, for example, Brazil on sports science and SNC has um, the bigger tradition in South America, you know, like um, all the major universities are all based in, in Brazil. Yeah. <coughs> but um, if you think about um, the technical part, definitely Argentinian are, are helping because uh, they are uh, they are helping us you know to create the base of, of coaches and um, Argentina always had as well a good scrum so we had yeah. some influence of coaches helping us in the scrum um, Argentina both the under 20 and the men 15 um, but uh, sometimes as you said yeah it can be um, not, not a problem but you know like uh, a tricky relation um, because um, uh, Brazil um, has their own culture and, uh, you know, in Brazil we speak Portuguese while and they are the only nation that speak Portuguese in South America. So the, all oh, the other nations, that, right. yeah, so Brazil speak Portuguese, so the rest of the, of the nations in South America, they all speak Spanish. And there is yeah. a little bit of that, you know, like, okay, yeah, Argentina and the Spanish, uh, we, we know everything. And uh, so <laughs> Brazil, you need to learn. And in time, this is changing. And um, we were like that all the coaches that, um, that came over, they were open, uh, you know, like to share all the knowledge. Um, and uh, it, was, it was good for coaches and players to learn from Argentina. For example, it was a good friend of mine, Rodolfo Ambrosio, um, and that is now with Colombia. And he has been the head coach for the last, uh, it was with the head coach of Brazil for the last four years. And he came from Argentina and, uh, you know, like he, he helped uh, creating this high performance system from zero all the way up. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and you, you mentioned the, the kind of universities there. And, and when we spoke before, you said about um, 
the, the university that you, you're kind of very close to where they're doing a lot of velocity-based training you, and you mentioned velocity-based training um yeah. just touch on that again a bit how you how you've used that and um i guess how you've probed it in and then the kind of practicalities of it yeah um when i when i went um when i did move from new zealand over to brazil actually um, I was thinking to start my PhD, so I started uh, um, doing my PhD over uh, to Italy at the same university where I did complete the master. Um, and, uh, you know, like the topic was um, uh, velocity-based training uh, um, in relation with uh, percentage-based training. Um, for me, um, velocity-based training or monitoring the velocity in the gym, uh, it's, it, it, it's a tool, you know. And uh, it has to be used in, in the proper time, in the proper way, in, in the proper context uh, as uh, everything. Uh, um, it's, it's not, you know, like absolute. And as well, um, uh, it has to be sustainable. Sometimes uh, with uh, tier two or tier three teams, you don't have all the equipment, you don't have all the uh, staff that can actually help supervising that kind of work. So there is one part of education involved in that. Um, when, um, when I usually use um, the velocity-based um, monitoring tool, uh, it's more when I'm evolving more about power. So um, when, I, when I use high load, um, I don't usually um, monitor uh, the velocity of the movement. Um, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me unless uh, you, know, you just need some specific information. But it becomes more something important that we use um, close to the competition, and um, uh, you can have, you know, like that part of motivation of the athletes, uh, where they see and they have to hit the target and they have the ranking. Um, but uh, but again, so for example, we use um, we use the um, accelerometer, um, and uh, and we know that sometimes you have a lot of fails uh, on uh, repetition. You know, like, um, uh, especially with the accelerometer, while uh, when you use uh, linear transducers, um, they can be, you know, like gym aware or whatever, um, that is more precise, but uh, at the same time, you know, like uh, carry that for uh, a team like us, it's a little bit more hard. And um, so imagine um, the, the biggest mistake, you know, is using, for example, an equipment um, uh, like gym aware, uh, or linear transducer when you are uh, in your uh, environment back in Brazil, but when you travel, you use accelerometer. That that doesn't work, yeah. um, and um, that's that's a little bit uh, that's hard. Um, but yeah, I'm, and as well, uh, it's something that I usually use more with the experienced athlete um, that they can uh, understand the concept and they can um, auto-regulate themselves. While with um, with uh, youth or development athletes, uh, I usually don't use it uh, unless it's necessary, um, because you know you need that part of education before they can actually arrive to that point where they say, okay, yeah, I can use the tool, I can manage everything, I know how does it work, and I will set everything. Yeah, yeah, and even the, even the technique point, if they're in an experienced uh, athlete with the exercises sometimes they're chasing that number and the form goes out the yeah. window, especially if you're using modified Olympic lifts and stuff. And even, even like I find myself, I'll be looking at the number and not actually looking at what they're doing. So it's kind of, yeah, it's, yeah, get that right first. Yeah, no, great points. Um, and then um, what, what um, again, this is a question we ask all the guests, is what, what advice would you give to an upcoming strength coach? Oh, 
Um, probably, probably the first thing is um, uh, believe um, believe in yourself. Believe um, in in uh, um, what uh, what the plan and uh, um, because um, so imagine when I, when I started, uh, you know, like um, I am Italian, so I, I'm not. Um, our our country is not English, so I had to learn English first. And um, you have to see where you want to go, and you have to do it early in your life, and you have to prepare for that. It doesn't come, uh, you know, just like out of the blue. Um, and uh, you know, like definitely for, for me, the first part was learning English, because um, if you just speak your own language, uh, you know, like you reduce. Uh, uh, the range of uh, of concept that you can learn, while definitely with English you can open that uh, that view, yeah. um, and so that's mainly for SNC coaches that they are actually not English speaking. Um, but um, on the other side would be um, be um, always uh, believe uh, that you you can have some core values, and at the same time so you have to always adapt. Um, like um, be ready that um, some of your values um, can change uh, during uh, during life and even you know like the training philosophy and everything can change and that has to be something that you can adapt in a different context like definitely um, adaptive adaptability is going to be one of the you know like core um, uh, core aspect that I would say for any SNC coach to be able to adapt to the context, even if you have, uh, if you work in New Zealand, uh, in Brazil, over to Italy, uh, be able to adapt. So um, yeah, mainly, mainly that. Yeah, no, that's great advice. And then the other one we, we kind of say, we tag on the end of this, is there any, any books or resources you might recommend? Um, and, you know, maybe from an Italian point of view, there's some books that, you know, we wouldn't know about that might be, might be good. So um, I am um, in Italy at the university. We have big influence from uh, from Russian culture. So all yeah. the all the work of Verkochaski, um, Matveyev, uh, Bondarchuk, uh, Dachowski. We have we have big influence from Russian culture. Um, in time, uh, I had the chance to learn from uh, Ian Jeffrey um yeah. on uh, you know on, on game speed uh, great professor great person so definitely something that uh, um i did learn uh, a lot um and i am um, i am a big fan of the work of um, ashley jones as well um i, I had the chance to meet him um, um in uh, over to australia and uh, um i i love um, i love the concept of simple but effective you know so um, yeah. You think uh, now I'm uh, I'm reading the the book of uh, Nick Winkelmann, uh, the language yeah. of, of coaching. Um, it, it's really interesting, um, and you know, like I go back to the point for someone that like me that I'm Italian. When I have to communicate with someone that comes from another culture, you know, that yeah. that's a part that you have to actually develop as a coach, and yeah. uh, definitely a big point. Yeah, no, uh, those those guys you mentioned, all but one, uh, have been guests on the podcast. So, so thanks for mentioning them. But also, yeah. Ian Jeffries, I, I know from 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 way back, and yeah, I, he he hasn't been a guest, so yeah, I sparked to, I'll try and get a hold of him and try and get him on. So thanks for that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and and lastly, um, where can people learn more about you? 
So um, I'm uh, I'm not big on um, on internet. I actually have just Twitter, LinkedIn, and, and Facebook. Uh, you know, like as a rule, uh, as a rule, I don't I don't have Instagram. Uh, <laughs> Probably wise. Probably. Yeah, because uh, I know that Instagram, you know, like uh, uh, I definitely know I, I would uh, I would go on Instagram to check a lot of stuff. So uh, definitely Twitter and LinkedIn are uh, are two um, um, two parts of, of internet where where they can find me. And um, yeah, like Twitter is uh, I think Dotari uh, Guerriero, and um, mainly Twitter is the is the big one. Yeah, and of course we'll share we'll share links to that in the show notes. But yeah, just to wrap up, as you can see, it's getting it's getting yeah. darker here for me. But um, yeah, great great talking to you again, Aria, and um, yeah, all, all the best out in in Japan. Uh, I'm definitely going to be following it, looking to see how you get on. Um, but you you've obviously put a lot of work into it, and I just hope it hope it goes well for you. Thank you very much, Jamie. Thank you thank you for your time and um, congrats for, for the program. I think it's big help for the rugby community, SNC. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks, mate. That, that's great to hear. Appreciate it. Bye. Yeah, great stuff. We'd just like to thank Ari for taking the time to talk. So I didn't, I didn't know um, before booking in the call with him, but he, he actually did that call at, at 4 a.m. over in Tokyo. So uh, really appreciate him making the time for us. Um, and want to wish him all the best for for the Olympics and and moving forward uh, with the men's 15s as well, World Cup qualification and everything. So uh, be looking forward to seeing how those guys get on. Uh, in the meantime, guys, please subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, whatever you use for your podcast. We also put them on YouTube, uh, and of course, give us a five star review. Um, and just keep checking out the website rugbyrenegade.com and check out our social media. Uh, lots of lots of good training information coming for players and for coaches. So until next time. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade Podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.